Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. We got some good news this week on housing inventory picking up, but we're still woefully behind considering the demand from potential home buyers. New construction is definitely not the answer, so many buyers are looking at renovation loans to make older properties more palatable, and that opens up opportunities for the lenders who are prepared to help. That's one of the topics on today's Housing Wire Daily as I chat with managing editor James Kleiman about mortgage rates, inventory, and what lenders are doing to get creative. We're ready to jump in. So, James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Great to be back. Great to be with you. It's been a while. It has been. You have been on uh, paternity leave, so it's great to welcome you back and for such a happy reason to be off. Uh, But we're very happy to have you back. You jumped right in. We have tons of news going on. Um, So tell us a little bit about mortgage rates first. Yeah, so mortgage rates are holding steady. Uh, we, we got the numbers in this morning from Freddie Mac and for the purchase index. And again, I, I should caution everyone, Freddie Mac's uh, PMMS is only purchase. Uh, there are other indices out there. But, um, it, you know, it was it was just about 5.09%, basically the same as the last week. And uh, I, I think it's, it's worth noting that a year ago, 30-year fixed rate purchase rates were right under 3%. They were at 2.99%. And, and, and so when you think about it, like, yes, mortgage rates are dropping a little bit incrementally over the last few weeks. I think it's been about three weeks um, that they've continued to fall, but they are still way higher. I mean, much, much, much higher than they were last year. And so that is, of course, going to affect affordability and purchase demand. You know, there are not as many people who can afford a mortgage or the home that they want with the mortgage that they think they can get um, in an environment like this. And so, you know, demand is going to fall a little bit. And um, at affordability, you know, home prices are not really dropping. Uh, but but there's, there is definitely a silver lining here. I think there are a lot of people who would argue that this is a much healthier market now. And, and that's in large part because the home buyer pool has shrunk a little bit. Supply is starting to come back. You know, we, we just saw there was some research by uh, The Economist at Realtor.com. And they reported today that the inventory of homes for sale uh, during the month of May, increased for the first time since June of 2019. That's like way before even COVID hit. And um, and, and it was an 8% increase in May over that of uh, May of 2021. And um, it's still below uh, you know, sort of the original uh, pandemic times, right? Like I think it was down almost 50% from, from May of 2020 when, when basically nothing was on the market, right? Because there was just yeah lockdowns and chaos and... Um, but it's great news. It is really great news. And so, you know, I think it's also worth remembering that historically speaking, mortgage rates in the low fives, really not bad. I mean, you ask my parents who who love to tell me that when they got mortgage rates, they had to climb, you know, without shoes in the snow, down hills, both ways, they had to drive a tractor. And then for all that trouble, they still had to pay 49%. For, I'm exaggerating, obviously, for mortgage, <laughs> but, you know, like 10%, 11%. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting moment. And um, as ever, you know, it, it all kind of depends on the Fed and, and, how comfortable people feel about inflation. And that's going to remain, you know, the, the challenge and, and the question that, that changes the, the market uh, outlook probably every day. 
So yeah, it's it's good news globally. Um, still too early to say whether this is a permanent, um, you know, expectation or we're going to see rates rise right back up to to five point five or five six if if there is another shockwave. But encouraging at least. Encouraging. And we will take all of that encouraging that we can get. I mean, the fact that uh, we saw inventory rise, just just rise even a little bit, that's that's good. And seasonally, this is the time when you would expect to see that more houses come on the market. So up until now, it's been pretty dire. Yeah, it's been very dire. And, um, and here's a good example. So I, my wife and I, we own a house in um in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, it's it's you know a nice kind of vacationy area. A lot of people Airbnb their properties. It's big for investors and for families that want to get out of New York or Philadelphia for a weekend or spend a week there or whatever. And so when when we bought our home, um, you know, in 2021, um, just about a year ago, I mean, it was slim pickings. There was nothing to look at. And even the home we bought, you know, like it. It needs to be fixed up. It's not perfect. It's it's a home that was built in the seventies, and uh, I, I would say the upgrades that they made um, <laughs> maybe came in nineteen eighty six, and and they didn't do much since then. <laughs> and um, and and that was one of the better homes on the market at the time. And that's a product of not a totally different market, but now it does not look the same. There are a lot more houses on the market in in the zip code. And there seems to be just as many buyers out there. You know, my neighbor, he bought next door neighbor in Pennsylvania. He bought, I think, for like two forty in May of twenty twenty one, and he just sold for three thirty four. And he had not done anything with the house, but I think he probably sold at the top of the market. And that's that's it. You know, we're, we're not seeing prices at the same level as they were even a few months ago. They're starting to drop a little bit. And and they're just way more supply. And and you know what's happening in the Poconos is not necessarily indicative of what's happening in in say Austin, Texas, or in Savannah, Georgia, or um, you know hot markets in Colorado or California. But um, I, I do think that a lot of people I talk to say we're really starting to see a turning point where where people are deciding to sell. And and um, you know in some cases it just means they're going to retire or move in with family or. You know, maybe they're getting a bigger house because they're still doing well. But yeah, it's it's starting to look like a more normal market. You know, the one that I remembered for um, you know, a, a good chunk of my life. Well, and even though the last two years have been great for for a lot of people in our industry, I think a more normal market in the long run is better for everyone. People have then time to do the processes and 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 do all the things they're supposed to be doing. They, you know, just when when supply and demand gets more in a normalized spot, that's going to be better for everyone. We're we're still far from that. I mean, even with this inventory coming online, we know we're historically low. Yeah, you know, and and I, I'm an avid reader of the Wall Street Journal, and and I, I think they do this because they they have maybe great target marketing data, and they know that I read these types of stories every time they do one. But there's always the regret story. Have you seen these where where it's always a homeowner yes, who's often I from like New York or a big city, and they're like, you know, we decided to move to like some random canyon and live with like amongst coyotes in this like backwater, and we thought <laughs> we were hardy enough to fix it up, and we spent all this money, and we thought we could find a contractor, but we couldn't find a contractor you know, something blew up or something was flooded and we just couldn't, we couldn't get anybody to do it. We didn't know how to do it ourselves. And, and, and then they just, you know, at, at the end it's resignation, like we, we messed up, <laughs> you know, we messed up big time. And and that yeah. was driven partly because 
they felt a huge amount of pressure to buy, you know, a home with all the coyotes in some canyon somewhere because there were 80 other people who said, oh man, we need to get out of, out of LA or, you know, New York and, and here's where we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to live a new life. And, you know, you fast forward a year and they go, what have I done? <laughs> and, and you don't see that as much in the healthy market. You know, like people, people don't have that rush. They don't, they have time to think. They have time to assess their options. They don't feel the pressure to, to dramatically change their lives. And, you know, we still have major fundamental imbalances in that there's just not enough supply. And even if we have a historic summer in terms of supply, it's not nearly enough to offset the lack of building uh, that occurred basically since the recession. You know, we've, we've gone, uh, 10 years since we've we've built even close to, you know, approaching an adequate number of homes in this country. And that's not going to change overnight. You know, this is a systemic problem that needs to be addressed. But, you know, again, there are good signs here. You know, I, I write the appraisal newsletter for Housing Wire. It's called Appraised Value. And one of the themes that I just keep coming back to, because I started, we started that newsletter in the middle of the pandemic. And one of the crazy things was like, how does anyone decide what a house is worth when things are changing so quickly? Because, you know, it's basically based on comps, but those were outdated by the time, you know, two months ago, three months ago, good luck. Well, now it's it's the same thing. But when it all comes down to it, appraisal is really, even if you're based on comps, it's like, what will someone pay for it? And, and you're talking about the psychology of what can play into this. We're all people. It's that FOMO. It's like, oh, my gosh, they had 25 offers. That validates for you that that property is worth that, but 25 other people are willing to pay that. So you do get into that kind of cycle. And then at the end, you know, all the comps, comps are just basically like what other people decided to pay for it. It doesn't really have anything to do with the value. Right. There were 20 other right. crazy people. Right. So and, it's like it, it can yeah. be – that doesn't mean it doesn't, anything, but really. at the same so. time, I don't see where where I see prices cooling off. I don't think they're going to drastically drop because there still is huge demand. We still have that millennial tidal wave of people reaching peak home buying age who need a place to stay. Yeah, you know, and, and there are other considerations here. If you think about how wealth is passed down in America, it is not an equitable system, but it is generally speaking how it works, and that you inherit from your parents. And there's a huge amount of boomers who are, you know, kind of reaching that age of passing on uh, while they're still alive. And, and in other cases, when, when you know, their estate has to, you know, has to kind of divvy it up. But, but a lot of that hasn't happened yet, and it's still to come. And so, you know, when we think about kind of changes in, in housing uh, formation and, and structure and, and who has the money and who can buy what and when, you know, I, I think we still haven't even realized some of the big you know, kind of macro movements that, that are that are going to change fundamentally how we build and where we build and what we build. I, I think that's such a great point. So uh, yesterday I had on uh, Chris Clow, who is the editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily. And it's always great to talk to Chris. So much is going on in reverse now. I mean, there's, you know, there's been a, a sea change. First of all, the reverse product is not what it once was, right? We have new regulations. This has been for, for years now. And so the reputation hasn't really caught up with the reality. But also, you have all of these seniors, to your point, and they have huge home price appreciation, which they can tap in different ways. And one of those ways is through a reverse mortgage, um, you know, if, if, if they do that. And so there is a lot going on. And, I, and that really leads me to my next point, because our newsroom has been writing stories about reverse. They've been writing stories about non-QM, right? Finding those people who want to buy a house 
who can afford to buy a house in this sort of heated environment oftentimes means people who may not have a W-2. They might be entrepreneurs. They might need a little bit different underwriting. So the non-QM product. And also then thinking about, just like you just said, you bought a house that needed a bunch of renovations. Most of the housing stock in America is is older. And so if you have people who, who have to choo- choose that or want to choose that, then we, you know, you could talk about renovation loans, which I know is something that you've kind of delved into. Yeah, I mean, for for longtime listeners and followers of the Lending Life uh, newsletter, you, you guys maybe remember that that I, I had been looking to get out of the city, like like many other uh, you know uh, city dwellers, and, and thought about going upstate a few years ago, and and we were looking very seriously at a house in Socrates, New York, great town. If anyone's ever been, uh, highly recommend you you check it out. Uh, but but anyway, we're looking at this home, and you know it was one of those sad situations where it's you know an, an older person who owned it who had no real liquidity, who had you know, deferred maintenance would be a charitable way of, of phrasing um, kind of, you know, the condition of the home and lots of animals and um, lots of hoarding issues. And it, it needed like a full gut renovation. And so we had looked into, you know, given the cost of repairs would be several hundred thousand dollars, how do you finance that? You can't do that with a traditional mortgage. And we don't, we are, we are journalists, my wife and I, you know, we, we do not have private equity money. We don't have tech money. You know, it's just not something that, that we're able to swing on, on kind of a cash basis because we don't have a home that we can kind of draw from right when we sell. And so, so we started looking into the renovation loans and it made perfect sense on paper. You know, you could put as little as three down, 3% down. You can finance a 97 LTV, which is like kind of incredible that you can do this, you know, post uh, recession and housing crisis in America today. Right. And, um, and the conditions are you need to find a contractor. The lender calls a lot of the shots and you need to get the timelines, right. You need, there's a lot of, you know, ballet, you, you need to get everything working right. And the seller also has to sign off on it. And, you know, if you're going through a renovation loan in a super hot housing market, most sellers are going to say, this is too complicated. It takes too long. I would rather just sell it to a cash buyer or somebody with a conventional, you know, conforming kind of financing option. And so the, the reality is, despite, you know, being very well qualified and, and, and being able to swing it financially, we could not find a contractor. We could not find a single person in the entire county who was like, yes, I'll take on this job. Yes, I can do it within 12 months. And I have no problem dealing with a lender for, you know, draws and, and um, kind of the managing of the project. And it just wasn't a palatable loan at that time. For a lot of people, though, the renovation loan makes a ton of sense. And I think it makes maybe a little bit more sense for people who already own their home. And so now I look at my home in Pennsylvania and uh, I I think about just the the incredible number of projects that I need to, to get done to, you know, to make sure that, that I, I have the home that I wanted. And, you know, some of it's little, like I need a new sliding glass door, you know, we, we need to, the flu in the, um, in the chimneys is busted or whatever, and we need a new one. And, you know, we, we have to get new windows and new, new doors and make it energy efficient. And, you know, all of these tasks, I have to knock a wall out because I have a, a, um, a washer dryer that either they built the house around or they built the framing around. 
So it's stuck in its place. It's like, you know, hilarious comedy of errors, right? And so I have all these projects that I need to do. And I'm wondering, should I be doing them piecemeal, like knock off one or two a year over the next seven, eight years? Or should I get a renovation loan and tap some of the equity that I've already realized through this this process? And so it's interesting because lenders in most, not most, in good, you know, so-called good markets, they don't want to deal with products like this. They don't want to have their staff like dealing with contractors and, you know, all the paperwork and, and all the, the requirements that go with it. And there's a lot of handholding and it's a complicated loan. You know, this is not like checking a box, you know, with Fannie or Freddie. And so when the low hanging fruit is not to be picked, this is a product that makes a lot of sense, particularly when you have a huge number of borrowers who have all this equity and don't have a lot of other options. And so we're starting to see a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, LOs who are starting to work with this kind of product, um, and even some that are not comfortable with it. And so, you know, if you are good at this, you can get referral business from LOs in the area who are like, I would rather just stick with, you know, a rate term refi or a purchase mortgage or, you know, whatever, you know, even a different flavor of non-QM. And so you're starting to see these loans kind of gain a little bit more prominence. Um, they're starting to get, uh, there are specialists out there. You know, I, I, I talked to a guy who does more than 30 million a year worth of, of renovation loans. And he doesn't even do kind of the standard stuff. You know, the standards are often the, the FHA 203K, uh, you know, the Fannie Mae home style, but those are kind of the big ones, right? You know, Freddie has a similar product. Um, but, but this LO, he's, he's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. What he does is he works with um, purchase buyers and, um, you know, existing uh, homeowners who are looking at like a custom build. And, it's really interesting because, you know, they, they can they can renovate the current house, stay in their neighborhood, and they can use the future appraised value to limit the funds they need to close. And so what essentially they do is they, they basically get to pay an interest-only loan during construction. So if they have to move out, they can pay rent while the house is being, you know, gutted and, and, and you know, redone. And, and it's really good for those who are looking to buy because they can get a property that might not be the best house, but maybe it's the right location or the right school district or it's near their parents or, you know, there are so many reasons that people would find a property appealing, but not necessarily the house. And so in his case, he's able to lock in interest during construction. So they have interest rate protection during the bill, then it's it's only a one-time close. So, you know, you, you can see products like this that are versatile, that offer a lot, um, really working in certain markets, especially, you know, inventory, uh, you know, <laughs> lacking uh, markets, especially. And in some cases, you know, these are, you look at the inventory that's there and like, let me tell you, it'll, it'll need a renovation. It'll either need a cash buyer or someone who will, you know, be patient or, you know, is comfortable pursuing this kind of loan. So I think we're going to see a lot more of it, you know, again, given that we're not seeing a huge amount of uh, construction that's going to completely, you know, change the composition of our housing market anytime soon. Well, and uh, Logan and I talk about this a lot. I have him on the podcast once a week, obviously, and he writes for us and he does not think the builders have really good incentive right now. As rates go up, they're going to build less. They're very uh, price sensitive to that. And so, you know, the bulk of housing is going to need some renovation. So I agree with you that this is a real opportunity for people who are, who are looking to, um, you know, expand their business. And that's, that's what we see. I think in a time like this, where you see falling volume, 
you you do see obviously we've seen layoffs we also see people being just smarter expanding um trying to be more efficient really bringing in some uh, either new texts new processes or whatever they can whereas you know in the refi boom it's like just throw bodies at the problem like we just got to get these loans through just throw some bodies well no one's throwing bodies at things anymore and they're really looking at like what does it look like and so one of the things we see is that some really uh uh, there are some companies out there, lenders, or if they're vendors or whatever, and we wrote a story on that this week that they they are expanding right now, or they're, you know, even if we didn't, even if they weren't in that story, we see some companies who are being very strategic and recognizing that this is the time to gain my market share. If they deploy certain things, if they have the money to do it, if they're in the you know the financial position to do it, but it's this is when a lot of people's careers can be made. And the same thing after the financial crisis, as you and I know, many people. Made started their careers either as a, a loan officer, a real estate professional, somewhere in there, right after the financial crisis, or right in the middle of it, right in that in the fallout of it. And so it's one of those things. We're not in a financial crisis right now, but we're certainly in a slowdown period that gives people the opportunity to make some of those moves. Yeah, you know, and, and to your point, I, I, I think this is kind of where where you see who can do it and who can't, and and where you're going to see a lot of a lot of lenders that they're going to look at their roster and say. These people are low production. They do a loan a month, two loans a month. Is this worth keeping on? You know, we need the volume, but but the cost to produce this, the cost to, to keep that person there, and and all the benefits and, and training, and you know, all the costs that are associated with even a single employee at a lot of companies is high. And so, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to kind of go with this, you know, <laughs> not as deep a bench and and find people who can who can scrap and who can learn new skills and who can you know, follow a book of business, you know, and, and, you know, be adaptive, you know, what's, what's the phrase that you often hear on like a David Attenborough documentary, like nature finds a way, you know, it's like, there's always going to be loan officers who are savvy and, and who can, can pick up on different skills and see, you know, emerging markets and, and products that, that a, a lot of people just aren't comfortable dealing with or don't have the acumen to work on. And, and I think the renovation loan really kind of speaks to that because there are definitely specialists out there and, and, you know, they are going to have maybe not the highs that you'll see with some producers, but they're not going to see the lows either. You know, they're not going to get forced out of an industry that is very unstable historically, you know, I mean, there's, there's just, there's a lot of attrition and there's, there's a lot of people who wash out because it's not a forgiving business because it depends on, you know, broader economic trends and, and its sales. And, and those are never, you know, kind elements to, to work with. I'm, I'm at the NS3 conference, which is a settlement services summit, right? Um, put on by October research, really great conference, actually a booming conference. There's a ton of people here. And I talked to a guy who is um, at a recruiting firm that mainly does recruiting for uh, the title industry. And I was like, really? So, so tell me about how, how business is. And of course, everyone wants to say, oh, business is great. But I mean, while I'm talking to him, I had several people come up to him and be like, hey, I need to talk to you. We need this, this and this. And I was just like, wow, this is so crazy. Um, and really, he said, you know, when it comes to it, it really depends on your title. He did say that he has had some people call him looking for jobs as processors or, um, you know, in the operations part of the mortgage thing. That, and, and he just doesn't have a lot there. But if you're an IT person, if you there's lots of parts of this business that are still growing, even at lenders, even at title companies, whatever. So so I think for underwriters and processors, it's probably really rough because to your point, like you just 
they're, they're not versatile as far as like, what else are they doing? Um, but there's still a lot of hiring and interesting things going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think I, I'm curious to see how a lot of these tech vendors kind of handle this because so much of their funding, you know, relies on the industry that they're trying to serve. And it's an industry now that is cutting back and is kind of reconsidering some of their spend. And, um, you know, how, how many of them will be able to adapt is also something that, that we're, we're looking into as, as a story and as a trend. And so, yeah, for, for listeners and, and readers here at HousingWire, uh, stay tuned because we'll, we'll have a, a nice feature on that. So, so thanks for the good segue, Sarah. I know you didn't intend to, but, but I think that that one really goes out. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to provide a segue, but always happy to do that, uh, as you are. And James, thanks so much for coming on, especially uh, just jumping back into the fray. There's so much going on. And I would say for our listeners, you mentioned your Lending Life newsletter. I mentioned the Appraised Value newsletter, not because we planned that in advance, but because we work on those. And those are you know very niche audiences that we're trying to serve. And so if you find yourself in that, or if you're a real estate professional, we have Open House, we have Broker Source, um, we have lots Lots of very specific ways to deliver the information that you want that's really important to your business. So check that out on housingwire.com and become one of our uh, great newsletter subscribers. Also, what's fun about those is oftentimes those people reach out to us and we might feature them as sources. Uh, We talk to them. It's a great way for us to really know what's going on in the industry because we just have uh, closer ties to our newsletter subscribers. We end up Uh, interacting with them a lot, engaging with them a lot. So become one of those. And James, we will look forward to some more great coverage coming out of the newsroom. Thank you so much, Sarah. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.